You're listening to the Spirit and Truth Podcast. Well, hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to uh, this episode of the Spirit and Truth Podcast. And I'm really excited today. I've got two of my good friends here with me, uh, Pastors uh, Andrew Thompson and Matthew Johnson uh, from Tulsa, Oklahoma. And they are uh, both pastors at Tulsa First Methodist. Uh, Andrew's the lead pastor. Matthew is the pastor of discipleship. Uh, welcome to the podcast, guys. Thanks for having this conversation today. Thanks for having us on, Matt. It's great to be here. Uh, our, our team was just with you very recently. I guess maybe has it been a month a month ago now or several weeks ago? Uh, we had a Spirit and Truth uh, weekend. Uh, you you all have a tradition at your church of having a Holy Spirit weekend once a year, where you really focus on uh, the work and person of the Holy Spirit, and so. So our team came to help facilitate that for you and uh, do one of our weekends there. And we had a tremendous time. I have to tell you, our our, our little staff team at Spirit and Truth, we continue to talk about um, just the ways that we saw God move and how how much we enjoyed our time with you. Um, so thank you for having us. I should just say that to you both. But I wondered if we could just start. Um, I want to jump into some topics about spirit-filled ministry in the local church and a variety of things. But I want to start just to kind of rewind and go back to that weekend a little bit. Um, first, we'll just set the context. Uh, Andrew, could you share just a little bit about your church? And then I want to kind of get into how the weekend unfolded. Sure. Um, so as you as you said, it's First Methodist Church in Tulsa. We're downtown on Boulder Avenue, so we're really right in the heart of the city. Um, it's a church that has been... Um, in Oklahoma since the late 19th century, um, I would say that the the spiritual DNA of the church really began to be set in the late 1960s under the leadership of a pastor named Dr. L.D. Thomas. Um, he came in 1966, and in 1969, a lay witness mission uh, came in at his invitation. And people that are in the church now that were in the church back then talk about that era as a time of just dramatic uh, renewal and revival in the life of the congregation. Um, people began to uh, really take ownership of their own faith and learned about uh, the importance and really the ability of of laity to testify and to witness to others about what God has done in their lives. And with all of that, Matt, there came a new openness to the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And so that began, and that's, if you think about that, that is, you know, it's over 50 years ago. Um, uh, but that really set the church on the trajectory that it followed ever after. And Dr. Thomas was, was followed up by a succession of pastors. The first of whom was, was Dr. Jim Buskirk, who had been a Dean of the school of theology at Oral Roberts university before coming to our church. And, um, and then the two pastors after him, they really, um, leaned into, uh, the significance of the presence and work of the Holy spirit among the people of God. So you mentioned that these Holy Spirit weekends have been a tradition in our church. That's part of it. It's this desire uh, for us to kind of pause. Uh, we actually, uh, at different points in time, we've we've done it not just once a year, but twice a year. And we do have another one coming up in February where we just, we take time and say, hey, for a Friday and a Saturday, we're going to invite a speaker or a team of speakers to come in and to help equip us 
for some aspect of a Holy Spirit filled ministry. And so that's why we reached out to you and to the Spirit and Truth uh, crew. And uh, we were so excited to have you all because you just did a fantastic job. I mean, people are still talking about that weekend in the church uh, here a month later and the impact that it made on on so many individuals. Amen. Well, um, Matthew, would you tell us just maybe hit a few highlights? Uh, um, what were some of the things that you experienced in that weekend that we had together or uh, ways that you saw God move or even testimonies that you've heard from folks uh, since that time? I'm still um, talking to people who are living out lessons learned and not so much the the particulars of any point made uh, in a uh, a sermon or teaching, though they were all very good. Um, but I'm I'm seeing more and more people uh, open to taking what they might consider risks mm-hmm. um, to. To, to, to talk to people. And, um, as you know, that's, that's very much connected to, to the weekend. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody who, uh, who might be listening, um, and anticipating coming to one of the weekends that y'all do. But, uh, I, I continue to see that bear fruit in, in people's lives and, and they will talk about it. Like just, this is not the way that I typically am, but, uh, I asked, somebody that I met, uh, how I could pray for them. And, um, so a lot of the testimony has to do more with like that, that willingness to, to risk in their minds and mine as well, you know, and risk embarrassment or rejection or something like that, just to ask people how we can pray for them. And, uh, and, and I've been seeing it, uh, among the, the people in the prayer class that I'm teaching on Wednesday nights and, uh, and even uh, on staff, I don't want to uh, embarrass him, but uh, last weekend when we were uh, out of town, we had just finished up lunch at, on the border or something like that in Wichita, Kansas, and there were three of us standing around. Uh, and one of the, the the gentlemen from our church goes, where's Andrew? What's taking so long? And I said, he's over there talking to the waitress. And he said, I wonder what for. And I said, well, I think he's asking her how we can pray for her. And, uh, and I just saw this softening come over the man's face and he goes, yeah, that's good. And, uh, and so later that evening, uh, I was, I was with that gentleman again and, and another one of our colleagues, and we just went through, uh, Dairy Queen and, uh, went in to get a blizzard and something to eat and, I asked the young lady behind the counter how I could pray for her. And she started telling me about her grandmother who was recently diagnosed with breast cancer. And, and, uh, so I prayed for her grandmother, uh, Greta was the grandmother's name. And, um, I just, I, I smile about that because in no way is that a part of my personality, but, um, when I'm reminded of the opportunities, I'm like, yeah, that's, it's a no brainer. I ought to be doing that. And I think other people in the church are, are remembering that and thinking about that as well and having opportunity to witness to the love of God, to people, uh, in our community. Amen. Amen. That's kind of, uh, you know, that's one of our convictions as a ministry is that life in the spirit, uh, leads us into mission. You know, there's sometimes there's a focus on kind of Holy spirit ministries where, and and rightfully so, a lot of internal stuff, a lot of the 
uh, also the gifts of the spirit and healing and prophecy and those kind of things. And we love all of those things and talk about all those things. But also we know that the Holy Spirit is ascending God, you know, like when the spirit comes, God's people go. That's Mm -hmm. and uh, so, you know, won't spoil anything for people that listen to this podcast. We've talked about it a little bit, but we, you know, on these weekends, we do um, a prayer outreach typically in the Saturday afternoon. And uh, we had about 150 folks from your church that went out on teams of three or four people all over the community. And um, and it was awesome when they came back. People stood in line for I think it was over an hour to share testimonies about how they saw God at work during that time. Uh, you also <laughs> had the distinction. It was the first time that I've ever had anyone. We've done this outreach kind of thing a ton of times trying to help people overcome these fear barriers and learn to listen for the spirit as they're sharing with others. It was the first time I'd had anybody ever go to a, what was it? It was like a Wiccan pride, Pagan festival. pride festival, Pagan pride festival. Yeah. Uh, so we had a couple teams show up there. So that was something special. And uh, <laughs> anyways, it was just beautiful to hear how God, God moved during that time. Andrew, what about you? What, uh, Anything else that kind of stuck out to you from that weekend or uh, reflections that you've had since that time? Well, there were really a couple of things. One is just the um, the, sur- the the spirit of surrender and spiritual hunger uh, that I think was very present during our times of worship, especially our, our worship services on, you know, really Friday night and then Saturday night, especially, but also Sunday morning. Um, they, those were all in their own way, incredibly powerful experiences. And, um, and I, and I think a lot of that just had to do with people just coming with an authentic hunger and a desire to submit to the will of God and just to surrender everything that they had and, and to ask, um, him, uh, to make his son, Jesus, uh, abide with us through the power of the spirit. And I, I saw that you know, really the culmination of it in many ways was on Saturday night where the manifest presence of God was just so obviously there in the room. And there were people that were having chains broken. Um, There were people that were being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, There were people who were just weeping and crying out for more of the Lord. Um, And he drew near to us. He was tabernacling with us. And that was a, uh, that was a really, um, it was just a, a time in in that sense, that weekend is going to be something that stays with me. Um, I have been in worship settings over the past few years where I have had experiences like that. I have never seen that happen in a church that I was serving um, until, until that weekend to see worship at that level of, I don't want to just say intensity as if it was something that we did. It wasn't anything that we did, but worship in a way where, the presence of God just came so near where the veil um, between um, between the world and, and eternity just seemed to almost be non-existent. So that would be one thing. And then the other thing was exactly what y'all were talking about, which was the experience that we had on Saturday afternoon of going out into the city of Tulsa. So to, just to let you know how that has stayed with me, um, I went out in a team of three people and we went to this big um, municipal park called the Gathering Place in Tulsa. It's this just enormous uh, park. And it was a beautiful Saturday afternoon and so many people were out and, and me and the the two women that I was with spent, we, we were actually late getting back because, you know, it, 
it was a target rich environment. I mean, there were people all over that park. And so we were just going around, just praying, just asking the Lord, who should we go up to and just ask how we can pray for them. And we had some wonderful experiences. So I was texting with those two women yesterday about that experience. Hmm. And that's a hmm. month later. And it we're still, wow. it's so, it's so present in, in all of our hearts and minds that, you know, we're still on a daily basis thinking about it before I came home to set up for this zoom call in my home office, I was eating at a barbecue restaurant out in Tulsa Hills, close to where I live, uh, a place called Albert G's. And I, I was eating with a missionary and we got finished and the waitress came up to our table and, um, and, and asked us if we needed anything else. And we said, no. And she smiled at us and said, I hope you two have a blessed day. And there was something about the way that she said it. I thought, I need to, I need to talk to this gal. And so uh, we were finishing up and I, I ran out to my car and I grabbed a, a holding cross. I've got this member of the church who makes these holding crosses. They kind of mold into the shape of your hand. And I grabbed one of those and I brought it back in. And at that point, the guy that I was eating with had gone to the bathroom and the waitress came up and I just, I, I said, can I give you something? And she said, sure. And so I explained what it was that a church member made it, that it was a great aid to prayer. And she looked really touched and she said, thank you so much for that. She took it and put it in her apron and went on. So it's just, you know, that, that has equipped me and given me a kind of a, not just a boldness, but also an intentionality that I don't think that I ever had before to just be aware to the, of the promptings of the spirit in my coming and going in my day-to-day -day life to speak up to people uh, uh, for the sake of Jesus, where God prompts me to do so. Amen. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. And that's what, you know, our, our hope is that, that that is the takeaway for folks is that um, when we are sort of paying attention and, you know, looking at the world around us with spiritual eyes, the spirit has opportunities for us all the time. And it doesn't have to be uh, some, you know, big special weekend doesn't have to be on a mission trip. Like uh, we're ambassadors for Christ and he's planted us in places where uh, we can point people to him all of the time. And it doesn't always have to be in really complex or, you know, big kind of apologetic arguments or anything like that. It can just be in very simple acts, uh, asking to pray for someone, giving someone a cross, like you said, in ways that that opens up people. I mean, really is something beautiful. Um, I want to return back to something that you talked about, about the Saturday night service, because that was that was a really special time. And um, it really did. We I remember we got to the end and we've been worshiping for, I don't know, a couple of hours or something. And I remember I came over to you at the end because God had just moved in some really beautiful ways. And I kind of was like, well, uh now what? <laughs> what do we? I don't even know like how to to wrap up this time. And then you stood up and kind of gave a benediction, which was beautiful, and talked about it, it was just this palpable sense of the peace of Christ, which had kind of fallen upon the place. And in the stillness of that final moment, just sensing God's nearness. Um, anyways, it was it was very beautiful, and and I've had some, you know, I've, I'm pretty fortunate in this sense and that I get to be in a lot of very intense worship environments and see God move pretty often because of the the stuff that I get to, to be a part of. I'm not sure though I'd ever been in one of um, our local church weekends. I've experienced in a lot of conference settings, certainly experienced it in international settings. 
I'm not sure I'd ever been in a worship service on one of our just normal, you know, weekends that's just for an individual church that was quite so, um, I don't know what the right word is either. I, that's the, the problem with trying to describe this, where you just had such a tangible sense of God's nearness. Why do you think that is? Um, not that, not, I don't mean that respective to our ministry, but what is it about how God is working at Tulsa first? Do you think that allowed people to be in a place of such surrender? Because uh, there's something going on. Maybe it's the history that you talked about. Maybe it's something that God is doing right now. What What do you think that is that made people ready to receive him in such a way? Well, I, I really think there's two things that I would point to, Matt. And and one of those is just simply to say that God goes where he's wanted. Yeah. Um, you know, he God is going to to be present amongst his people where they really desire him to be there. And you had a lot of people in the room who have a deep hunger and need for more of the Lord. And so in that sense, God was, he was just going where he was wanted, you know? Yeah. Um, I just, I always think about that passage from uh, the third chapter of the book of revelation, where Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if yeah. you will let me in, you know, so there's that whole idea that Jesus is always knocking. He's always standing outside knocking. And if we will, but let him in, then he will, he will, he won't even, he won't just stick his head in the door and say, hello. He says, I'll come in and dine with you. You know, I'll sup with you. I'll sit down and I will share fellowship, table fellowship. I'll break bread with you. In other words, I will be in communion with you. And that's what was happening. We were, we were being in communion with the Lord Jesus through the presence and power of his spirit because he was wanted there. That would be yeah. one thing. The other thing is, um, I, I believe, I have come to believe that um, in, in order for the work of God to proceed in power, there has to be spiritual agreement amongst the body. Um, you know, Jesus says, Jesus tells us that a house divided against itself cannot stand. And, and in a, in a very practical sense that that is absolutely the case, you know, um, when there's discord, when there's dissension, when there's division within the body, and that when that spiritual alignment, that agreement is not there, um, the, the power of God is simply, it, it is not going to come. Um, the, the passage here, and this is a, a good friend of mine and a former colleague named Jen Ryerson, uh, once kind of gave this to me in kind of a tour de force exegesis. And, and it was, it has to do with the passage in Acts chapter four, when Peter and John come back from being interrogated before the Sanhedrin and they testify to the, to the um, early church that that's gathered there. And then from there, they begin to speak the word of the Lord. They begin to, to raise up their voices together. They begin to pray uh, through the Psalms. And it says that they were filled with the Holy spirit um, and that with great power and boldness, they proclaimed the word of God and great grace was upon them all. And there's, there's this, this kind of sense that what, what is happening there is happening because the heart's, and the minds of the believers are in unity with one another. Um, and, and I believe that that's what was happening that weekend. I believe that you had this tremendous spiritual alignment, this tremendous spiritual agreement, this kind of sense of all of us spiritually had our hand to the plow and we're pushing in the same direction. And I think that when that happens, we can expect that God will indeed be present amongst his people as, as he was that weekend. Amen. 
Matthew, what do you sense that God is doing at your church right now? Because it does seem that there is there is just an extra sense of sort of uh, spiritual alignment, as as Andrew just said, that's taking place. Uh, a deep spiritual hunger is something that I noticed amongst the people. You know, what's your, what's your sense of things right now? Because there's something about the way that that you all are leading and that God is moving that is creating an atmosphere for receptivity to this kind of thing. No, I, I don't know that what I would say is, is going to be too uh, different than the way Andrew just answered your last question. Um, I think, you know, even when I was in seminary 20 plus years ago, this church had a reputation. Um, I'm, I'm from Arkansas originally, so bordering uh, Oklahoma. Um, and I went to Asbury Seminary where uh, Dr. Buskirk, uh, one of the former pastors here, was a uh, on the board of trustees, and we frequently ha- hosted the Aldersgate Renewal people. And uh, I think Larry Eddings, uh, at one time, uh, was uh, was here at First Methodist as well. Um, and so they, to me, they this church has always had a a reputation of openness and desire. Uh, for God to to do what He did in the Bible and uh, to change lives here and now, and you know, for better for worse, that that isn't always the expectation that we see in in churches uh, around the country. And I don't think that spirit has ever gone away. Um, you know, pastors have changed. the The makeup of the congregation is has churned and changed over the years as well. But I think the thing that you can almost always count on here is that people want God through His Spirit to change lives and to move in ways that make sure everyone knows unmistakably that it wasn't some program that we did or a lesson that we had. It was the, the work of God and that's persisted uh, over the decades. And I think right now, you know, there, there, there's always a, a certain amount of like, I think fear that comes when, when things change, but also a lot of excitement, uh, as well. And I think this church has, has seen a lot of change this year as well, uh, particularly in our uh, pastoral leadership uh, here. And so when that happens, you you kind of have this, okay, well, what are they bringing? What, where are they leading us? And I think what they have seen is that there are pastors who want to pull in the same direction they've been pulling for for decades and uh that that want to to go with them to uh to receive from them uh in in many ways and 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 to desire and and love the same things that that they desire and love and and so there 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 is an excitement i mean there's a lot of other things going on as well i mean um with uh you know changes that have happened in the in the last year um and um 
but but they all boil down to uh, we want to, we want the God uh, of the Bible who is very clearly interested in changing lives uh, to to come here and to change lives to to bring the lost uh, into the fold uh, to um, destroy the power of sin and in, in the hearts of believers and to uh, grow the fruit of the spirit and equip us with the gifts of the spirit to do the ministry of God in this city. And uh, I think to a person, um, that's what we want. Uh, and, and that's what the, the, the church wants. And, and so I think that's, that's where a lot of that excitement is coming from. Let's, uh, let's zoom out just a little bit from your church and um, just talk about kind of how moving is, how God is moving in the church at large right now. You know, I've really sensed, uh, I think we're in a season of purification in the North American church where God is allowing things that have been done in darkness to become exposed and brought into the light. Uh, I think he's, uh, we're in a season where he's calling us uh, to the pursuit of holiness again. Um where nominal Christianity is sort of dying away um, and that sometimes looks and surfaces in sort of alarming church stats, but actually it's sort of revealing those who are serious about pursuing Christ with their whole life, you know, who are the real disciples who are going to go after Jesus. So what's your sense of where the church is at right now? And, you two, you are both uh, pastors that I greatly respect. And, um, you know, if I lived in Tulsa, I, I'd want to go to your church. What would you say to ministry leaders about leading in this season and um, partnering with the way in which the spirit is at work right now? You know, Matt, I was talking with a, a church leader actually earlier today, and we were both kind of, you know, kind of sharing that this is probably not an era that we would have chosen to lead in. Um, it would be great, you know, to, to lead in an era when churches everywhere as at, at different points in time in this country's history, it has been the case where churches everywhere are growing that as long as leadership is semi-competent, you know, then, then churches grow. And that's, that's not the era that we live in. And you don't choose when you live, you, you, you live when you live and you, you accept the call that God places upon your life. So I, I think that that purification, I, I've thought of it as a winnowing, and I think it's just a, another way of saying the same thing. Um, and so there, I think as a, as a leader in the church, you look at that and you say, you know, which would I rather have? Would I, would I rather have a church, not just a local congregation, but the church in America as being larger and numerically and at least on a nominal sense, more prominent in the culture? Or would I rather have a church that is leaner, but is filled with believers who are there because they're committed? They're not there because they are attending out of inertia. They're not there because they think that it's going to help their business networks or their business connections. Um, they're not there for any other reason other than a passionate desire to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, there's a, every pastor would like to see more people next Sunday than we're at church this past Sunday. And so there's always going to be that element of it there. But when I really think about it, 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 it is, it seems obviously the case to me that the better 
position from a missional standpoint, from an evangelistic standpoint, the better position to be in is the church that is leaner and is filled with believers who are there because they're committed to Jesus. Like that's a group of people that I can work with. Like give, give me, you know, give me that group of people. Um, but there's a, there's a quote by Wesley about this and I, 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 I won't say it right, right off the top of my head, but it's, but it, it has something to do where Wesley says something to the effect of give me a hundred preachers who, who do nothing but fear sin and desire to please God and we can storm the gates of hell, you know, and that's, you know, give me a church filled with a hundred people like that and we can do anything. And, yeah. um, and so I think, I think that that's very much what's going on in our world right now, but it also means that it's a very exciting time to be a believer. Um, and we're seeing that we're, we've been seeing it this very year. You've seen it all over the place. Young people at places like Auburn University or uh, Asbury University, where there have been outpourings of the of the Holy Spirit, where you know God is raising up this new generation of people, and and um, and I, I believe that we'll see those signs and wonders continue. Amen. I um alongside that, I'll tell you a couple of the things that I think about a lot in in this season as well and matt you you talked about the you know the things that are being uncovered and exposed and this deep need for for holiness and uh, i've watched some of you know news stories in the last few weeks as well and uh, other things going on and it one of the one of the things that i've really become aware of and i don't know if this is just an age thing or not i'm sure people uh, in in seminary would have would have said these same things to me but it it's not like what i learned in the practice of ministry uh over the course of of two decades um and that is the the primary importance of um of staying watchful um deuteronomy 4 9 you know, uh, God says to the people of Israel, only take care and keep your soul diligently. Um, and then again, in Proverbs 423 says, uh, keep your heart with vigilance. And I can't say that, uh, diligence and vigilance are the words I would have used to describe the way I watched after my own soul over the last 20 years. Um, but I've, uh, I've actually started, uh, journaling regularly again, for that very purpose. Like I want to, I want to know what's going on inside me because I don't want it to deviate to the right or to the left. I want to keep following the, the way of Jesus. And, and I would say to anyone, you know, who's, who's thinking God is calling them to ministry, that that's, that's the most important ministry you can do in is keeping watch over your soul and your heart um, which I believe is ministering to God, which leads into the second part. Uh, I heard Corey Russell say this a couple years ago, but we need we need more leaders who have have been alone in the quiet places with God and live out of out of the Word and out of the Spirit and speak out of that than we do people trying to build platforms and and followings. Amen. And um, he said something along the lines of. You know, it's it's only it's only the people who know how to minister in empty rooms, you know, where it's just you and the Lord, uh, they're going to be able to minister to people in this current climate. And uh, and so that's the other thing I would I would say to people who are um, 
who feel a call to ministry um put away every thought hope or dream of being well known uh of building a following and just make sure that the lord knows your name hmm. um there's a line in um the the i think the introduction of the practice of the uh, presence of god where um the man uh, the person writing it describes brother lawrence as not being uh, well known by worldly standards but alone with god he is tenderly and lovingly caressed and that's what you want not yeah. n- not the most uh, not the most followers on social media uh n- not the most uh liked tiktok videos but to be alone and to be tenderly loved by god Wow. Yeah. Amen. Let's, um, we're going to have to wrap up our conversation before too long here, but I do want to ask a couple, couple last things. So one is just, the first one is just very practical. Uh, you got ministry leaders who are listening to this podcast, whether it's pastors or just, you know, lay leaders in their church, those kind of things. What would you practically recommend as you're seeing God work in your own context if if a church is saying we want to make more room for the spirit in our church we want to you know we want to become more of a spirit filled church practically what would you what would you tell them what what are some places that you would recommend say here here's here's at least some place to get started well matt i really think there just has to be some intentionality intentionality on the part of leadership there i think that for a lot of believers and for a lot of churches, they, there's just certain things that perhaps they've never considered before. This has never really occurred to them. And I, I felt, you know, I, the church that we're at right now, I, I, um, I started as the pastor here in January and there were some weeks early on where I just felt really um, convicted to invite people up to the altar to pray at the end of worship. And, um, we actually rearranged the back end of our worship services. We used to end our worship in a different way. And I actually restructured that so that we could have some time at the end of worship services, just to open up the altar rail. And, you know, it was every week, you know, somebody would come forward, but oftentimes the entire altar rail would be filled. And we got to the point where we were having to give softest missiles to allow people to go so they could get to Sunday school class or, or whatever. But we kept, we kept, you know, music going and we kept our prayer team up there to intercede with people who needed intercession. We just allowed people to stay. And, and that there's a permission giving that comes with that where people realize, okay, you know, I may, maybe I didn't go up the first week that the pastor or the worship leader invited people to come forward, but I'm going to go this week because there's something on my heart that I want to lay before the Lord and just ask him to take from me or ask to come into my life to help me with. And, we started doing that in our church. And by the summer, we realized that we needed to extend the altar rail, so to speak. And so what we started doing in August, we, we started a once uh, once even, uh, per, per month uh, evening service on Sundays, the third Sunday of the month that we call Encounter. And we go down in a room in the first floor of the church and um, we invite people to come in and we have prayer stations set up around the room. The seating is set up kind of in the round uh, with an altar in the middle um, and, and a prayer station in the middle. And that sermon, or sorry, that service, that worship service, the encounter service is is almost entirely unstructured. So I will begin 
by giving some minor um, kind of guidelines about what people can expect. You know, we're going to start worshiping and we're going to stay here as long as people want to pray. You might want to stay 20 minutes or you might want to stay two hours. That's completely up to you. Um, I let I let them know that there will be pastors and members of our prayer teams stationed at the prayer stations around the room to intercede for people if they want that. Um, and then we point out that there is an open microphone and people are invited to come to that microphone and to share a word if the Lord gives them a word. And that could be a, a word of prophecy. Um, it could be a word of knowledge. It could be a scripture passage, a word of exhortation. It could be just a prayer. If someone wants to offer a prayer, um, that element of that service, we were a little nervous about because you never know, like you create an open mic situation and, you know, it's an open mic. Anybody can go up there. And so I just say something real simple at the beginning of the service. I say, you know, if you feel like the Lord is prompting you with something, then, then ask, ask him first who that word is for. Because the word might be for you personally, or it might be for your spouse or your friend that you came with tonight. Um, but maybe it's for the whole room. And if it is for the whole room, then don't hesitate. Come forward and share it with us. But just just do a, do a little testing of that first. And, uh, you know, we've been doing that since August uh, every month, and we haven't had anybody abuse it. Uh, everybody that has come forward and has spoken from the microphone has done that out of a genuine sense of prompting by the Holy Spirit. And the words that have been offered are seasoned with salt. Uh, they really have been very powerful. And and so what's going on at that service is the altar rail has been extended. Um, it's created a, a context where people can come together and just seek the presence of the Lord. You know, um, the when when your team was down with us in in Tulsa a few weeks ago, uh, one of the members of your team, Emma Winchester, who is um, just this, just this amazingly spirit-filled 20-year-old young woman who just carries a an air of spiritual authority, of, of a combination of a humility, but also a spiritual authority that I have never seen in another 20-year-old. And, and while she was kind of speaking to us on Saturday, one of the comments that she made is that the prize of prayer is the presence of God, that that's the prize of prayer. It's the presence of God. It is coming into communion with, with God and he shows up and, uh, and that's what's happening in our church right now. People are seeking the presence of God. They're going before him on bended knee, uh, pouring themselves out, uh, in prayer and in surrender and, and God is coming. And so I, that, that would be my word of encouragement that people just be intentional in your church about contexts and avenues where people can come together and seek the Lord's presence. Because if what you're doing is going to be limited to a very structured um, one hour worship service one day per week, well, then you are putting constraints on God that um, are going to limit what he's going to be willing to do with you. You have to go beyond that. And the intentionality has to be there. The good news is that if you will do that, and if you will be intentional, then God will absolutely show up. Um, and he will begin to change people's hearts and change their lives. Amen. Amen. On the coattails of that, I would say, go to your church and pray. You don't need anybody's permission to do that. Um, be the Daniel Nash and Abel Clary, uh, who preceded uh, Charles Finney's preaching 
um, revivals in the 19th century would show up for two weeks just to pray, and then the power of God would come when he preached. Be Peggy and Christine Smith, the two sisters in the Hebrides Islands who prayed for years before that revival began. Be Emma Winchester and Jenna Smith who have been praying at Stillwater Church. Uh, just just go pray and see what the Lord doesn't do. I mean, uh, it's 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 really not complicated. Yeah. Amen. You know, that's been one of the things that that we have found and we're just constantly trying to encourage people on is, you know, we always say that we believe in the power of prayer, but our actions don't usually uh, demonstrate much conviction with that statement. You know, in most of for most of the Christians in in our North American churches, you know, we we talk about prayer more than we actually do it. And, um, and read about, I know I've, what's that? We read about it. Yeah. 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 We'll do studies about it, but, um, we don't, we just don't do it. And the places that I've gotten serious about prayer, and I know I've just seen this in my own life and in my churches, when you've actually gotten serious about seeking the face of God, stuff happens. (laughs) I mean, that sounds so obvious, but it's just the truth. Like it, it just stuff changes. It changes the people who are praying and it changes the environment of the church where, where they're doing the praying. You know, it's just, it really is. Uh, it is like God actually wants to respond to his people's prayers. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's just close with this. Um, we've talked a lot about a lot of, you know, beautiful testimony and uh, sense of where the church is at. What's your holy longing right now? What do you what are you longing to see God do but in your church and just in the larger church? Uh, what are you hungering for? Uh, Matthew, let me st- I'll start with you actually and then and then we'll uh, close with Andrew. I I want what uh, Andrew's already talked about. Uh, I want the presence of God in my life and and in the church and to recognize that that's the only treasure there really is to long for the the closeness of god the 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 tenderness of god and to live out of that in a way that colors and shapes everything else um i want that personally but i want it for the church as well uh, not you know, in the in the prophets, it says, not, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And, you know, uh, not by our striving or our um, social media reach, but, but by my spirit, Yeah. you know. And, uh, and I believe that the more we humbly seek that, the more we'll actually see people um, drawn to worship with us. Amen. Andrew, what about you? What do you what are you longing to see God do? Yeah, Matt. You know what I what I want to see is I want to see a a greater manifestation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit amongst God's people, and I want to see that not for the gifts' own sake, not just because we're attracted to spiritual fireworks, but rather because I believe that that is part and parcel of what it means to be to equip the saints for the work of ministry. For us to be equipped, the way that we have to be equipped is by spiritual gifts. And when we begin to receive a greater outpouring of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in our lives, 
then we will be readied. We will be made ready to take the battle to the enemy. And there is an enemy of our souls out there. And the Lord Jesus Christ is calling us to armor up and to get ready and to march shoulder to shoulder to, to, to be light bearers in the darkness. And, and the ones that he is asking to do that work are us. They are the believers who are alive in this day. And I want to see people equipped for that work. And the way that we're going to be equipped is through surrender and by asking to receive the gifts and by actually practicing and operating in those gifts when they come. I want to see that more than anything for my own people. And I want to see it in the church at large. Amen. Amen. Would you, uh, to that end, Andrew, would you just, would you offer a, a short prayer just for the people that are listening and um, just ask God to move in that way? I sure will. And, and since you are, since you're giving me the last word, um, I'm, I'm going to, I'm also going to say that I found the Wesley quote while we've been sitting here talking and I want to, <laughs> I want to give it to you. Right. And, and it's this, give me 100 preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God. And I care not a straw, whether they be clergymen or laymen, such alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven upon the earth. So that's a, so that, th but that quote, uh, that, that quote to me is so, that is so powerful. And, and you have to understand the context of it, because when he says, give me 100 preachers, he's not talking about ordained ministers. He's talking about the preachers that he raised up and, and uh, assigned uh, to the mission fields throughout the British Isles and eventually over in America. And they, that's why he says, I don't care. Give me preachers. I don't care whether they be clergymen or laymen. The reason why that, that comes from a letter where he's, he's talking about the controversy of using unordained men to go out and to preach the gospel. And so that, that is a, that's a quote from Wesley that is every bit as applicable to laity as it is to clergy. I mean, what he's saying there is give me people who are willing and, and yeah. who, who, who hate nothing more than sin and desire nothing more than to please God. Um, and with that, we can shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of God upon the earth. So I want to offer that as a word of encouragement, because that, that is, um, that was as true uh, then as it is now, and it's as true now as it was then. Um, and that's what I, that's what I think we should all hope for. So Amen. let me just, uh, let me just offer us a word of prayer. God, we give you thanks. We call upon your name, father, son, and Holy spirit. We thank you for the work that you are doing in the world today and the work that you are doing to build up your church. Lord, I pray for Matt Reynolds. I pray for the Spirit and Truth Ministry. I ask that you would increase um, their influence in your church. Um, I pray for an increase in uh, the equipping work that they're doing, in the evangelistic work that they're doing, and in the missional work that they're doing. And God, we pray for your church, your church in Dayton, Ohio, your church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, your church across America, your church around the world. We pray for a greater outpouring, Lord. We pray that you would move us to a place of greater surrender, to, um, to let go of the baggage that we've been carrying around with us. And God, we ask for your forgiveness as well. We pray that you would cleanse us uh, from all sin and that you would not only forgive us, but that you would break the power of canceled sin in our lives. That once the door of the prison has been thrown open, that you would direct us to walk through and out into the freedom, the light of your glory. And God, we thank you for Jesus. 
and for the sacrifice that he has made for on, on our behalf and for rising from the dead, that the pathway to eternal life might be opened up for us. We pray that you would unite us with him by the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask, Lord, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear the work that you are doing in this day and that you would call us by the power of your grace to be participants in that work and agents of the kingdom for Jesus' sake. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Matthew, Andrew, uh, thank you so much for this conversation today. Uh, you, you, you both inspire me, and I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for the work that you're doing uh, for the kingdom, and I'm just grateful uh, for your friendship. So thanks for being on the Spirit and Truth podcast today. Thank you. Yep, thanks a lot, Matt. It was great to be on. Friends, if, uh, if you uh, enjoyed this podcast today, if, if God spoke to you in some way, uh, perhaps you'd share it with a friend and um, let's continue to pray for the kind of kingdom realities that, uh, that we uh, heard on this conversation today. Uh, we'll catch you next time.